0: Well, I mean, this is a great opportunity for us to go. Um, maybe in the future, we, we talked about it this past year, but you guys came back, and it just, you know, time-wise, it didn't work. So maybe, maybe the next year or so that we can figure that out. But, but also, if, if the Lord compels you to give in any way, um, you can certainly give. You can sponsor a child, or you can give to them. I know part of the reason you're here is to raise more monthly support because um, they give out so much. We've skyped a couple times and just listening to them and what they're doing is is um, they're they're giving out a lot, and so um, it's very very important that we pray and, and support in whatever way, and so um, as the Lord leads you, pick up a prayer card, pick up, you know, any, any information and to see what the Lord may do. In terms of that, as a, as a church, um, we support you guys and um, have just increased our support. Um, some, I'm going to give an update next week on, on our missions, kind of where we are with some of that and, and where we're going with that in the future, but um, we were supporting $50 a month. Now we increased 150 because we had um, another decrease somewhere else, and so we feel um, as a church, as elders, that this is a good place to sow into, and, and you know, this is this is us as a congregation sowing in. And so, anything with children, I think, touches my heart. Um, and, and the adult Bible studies, and, and so many are are not hearing, have never heard Christ, and the superstition that is there. I mean, the bad luck with the pots. I think I remember reading that in, in your newsletter, or maybe you guys told me about that, or, or something. I can't remember, but um, I think that's that's funny. But yeah, it's such a reality of just the superstition and the bad luck and stuff like that. And so, anyway, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much this morning. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you, Lord, for those that are traveling today. We pray for just uh, traveling mercies, for your grace to be upon them. Lord, I pray that you just open our ears and our hearts and our eyes to see you and to hear you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um... I'm going to be in a number of places this morning, but primarily in the book of Acts. Um, but I, first of all, I just want to say to the church, thank you for allowing what we did last week. Um, you know, it was very civilized. It was very, um, it was uncomfortable, I know. But for us to have a frank and open discussion like we did last week is, is not something that you always find even in the church, um, and so I was just very um, I was impressed, I was blown away, I was challenged, I was encouraged all that but but for us to to be able to have a panel discussion and and to be able to share different opinions and, and thoughts and feelings and where people are at and and people not to walk out offended in, in necessarily the wrong way may, may be challenged or or um, provoked in a little way that's good and, and I think that's kudos to to you guys to us as a congregation for a willingness to to listen and, I, and I've said that numerous times that we need to have the ability to listen to understand we may not always agree with a perspective but we need to understand and walk in other people's shoes from time to time and did you take a picture last week of me in those high heel shoes you got to send that to me, all right? So, but Ben, thank you so much for for kind of leading that and all those that were on the panel as well. Thank you so much for your contributions. But you know, this morning, what what I want to do is I want to just frame kind of how we move forward in some ways. That's been my question for a while. I know when um, when when Ben did a group back in I guess October about race um, and race relations, and I know Kirby, Pastor Kirby, did one in Charlotte, and and I. Been you know, following stuff online as well. That kind of just seems to be some of the, the, the question that no one really knows how to answer in some ways is how do we move forward? And I don't have an answer for it this morning, but, but I just want to kind of give some thoughts on it. In anything, I believe a question that we must ask is God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing in any situation, um, at any level? When, you, when you're faced with, with some kind of financial crisis, God, what are you doing in this, in this situation? When you have a relational issue, a crisis, you know, whether it's in, in a marriage or whether it's at work or whether it's with a friend, God, what are you doing? What, what are you, not necessarily what are you doing in someone else's life, but a lot of times, what are you doing in my own life? What are, you, what are you refining? What are you changing? And when we look at culture, we look at politics, we look at social economics, we look at religion, all these things, these, these different issues that, that come at us, I believe we have to ask that question, God, what are you doing? And there's another thought to this that I also um, think is very important, and I've heard it this week a couple different times um, from, from a couple different, I heard it Wednesday night at prayer, I think you prayed it um, Wednesday night at prayer, but I've heard it a couple different places, is when we ask that question, God, what are you doing? We also have to pray a prayer that says, God, open the eyes of my heart. And, and Nathan, bring up the song. We know this song, and, and Ben, you might have said this last, last week as well, but I've heard it numerous times, and I think it's important But it says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart because I or we want to see you. So God, what are you doing? God, open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see what you're doing in the midst of it all. And in essence, this echoes what Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 1 when he says, I pray that the the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his vast strength? And so we see this in Scripture, that that the Lord is asking us to open the eyes of our hearts, open the eyes of our mind, so that we may know and see what he is doing. And sometimes in the midst of of anything that we go through, whether it's something that that we're kind of wrestling with as a a nation and and with the church at a a national level or in our own lives where it may be at a health level or a financial level, we have a tendency to put stuff right here in front of us instead of stepping it back a little bit and asking that question, Lord, what are you doing? And so this morning, I want to kind of walk through some things in the book of Acts and, and look at the early church and and really encourage us to follow some of the pattern of the early church with that. You know, I, I think all of us would probably be very rich, especially me maybe, um, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, I wish we could be like the New Testament church. Particularly, what people are holding on to is a reference in um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42-47. through 47. And I'm going to read it this morning. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. You know, I read that, I'm like, yeah, that, that would be awesome, right? To, to meet in the temple every day, to live in the temple sometimes maybe, because you have these all-night worship meetings, and many signs and wonders are happening. You're praying for people, they're getting healed, you know, all this breakthroughs coming. And in verse 44, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Man, I love that passage. I think a lot of people love that passage. And when you you talk about a New Testament church, I think that's the passage most people hold on to. And my pushback on that a lot of times is there's much more to the early New Testament church that we have to be careful not to overlook. And one of the things, well, there's a number of things I want to point out, but one of the things that that strikes very very quickly from that is the amount of suffering and, and persecution that takes place in the church. Suffering. Now, we may not know so much about persecution, but suffering. Raise your hand if you want to embrace suffering. What about going house to house and breaking bread? I wouldn't mind doing that. Having prayer meetings. I mean, you know, prayer sometimes can be boring in some ways, right? But it's making a difference. And we're going to talk about prayer. But, you know, signs and wonders. Who wants to see signs and wonders? Who wants to see the dead resurrected? Who wants to see the the blind healed or, or the lame to walk? I mean, we want to see those things, but not suffering. Acts 4, it says, Now they were speaking to the people The priests and the commander of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them. This is talking about the the disciples because they were provoked, they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection from the dead using Jesus as the example. So they seized them and put them in custody until the next day since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. Again, suffering. This is just the beginning of some of the suffering that the apostles and, and the early church believers. And there was death. In chapter 7 of Acts, Stephen was the first martyr. Do we want to embrace that as well? Because we certainly want to hold to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, but what about some of the other stuff? What about in, um, in chapter 4? So, you know, Stephen talked about um, giving and money and, and financial formation. But later on in, in, in verse 32, Now the large group of those who believed were one heart and mind, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common, and the apostles were given testimony with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them, for there was a need a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and this was distributed for each person's basic needs. Do you want to sell your house, sell your car, and bring the money and lay it at my feet? That would be difficult. You know, so we have to embrace the fullness of what the, the gospel, what, what, not the gospel, but what the book of Acts. There was controversy and disagreement. We see it in Acts 15 with, with Paul and Barnabas as they start out on their second missionary journey. There was this controversy. Do we take John Mark? John Mark, is that right? John Luke? John Mark, that's right. Do we take John Mark or not? And there was, there was a disagreement because of that. But yet Paul and Barnabas, they were still civil within that. And so, so when we look at the New Testament, it, it isn't always this, this nice packaged church that didn't have issues, that didn't have problems. In fact, one of the things I think we overlook when, when we look at the New Testament church is the diversity that was within it. You know, we see Jews and Gentiles, that God brings together the Jews and the Gentiles. But, it, but to us, we simplify that so much because not many of us are Jewish and, and the rest of us are Gentiles, but, but we don't always think of ourselves in, in those terms. The Jews had a lot of diversity. The Gentiles had a lot of diversity. You know, just within the Jews, there was, there was a huge divide or, or difference, maybe not divide, there was great diversity and there was some divide. At the political religious level, the political religious sects, you had the Samaritans and you had the Zealots. Now the Samaritans we've talked about a little bit, they were, they were part Jewish, but they were part Assyrian. When the Assyrians came and conquered the northern kingdom. Already there was a political divide because there was there a was divide over Solomon's kingdom years and years before, and so the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel, they're already at odds. The Assyrians come, they begin to, to intermingle and, and have children together, and now they're kind of seen as defiled. But yet there's still a political religious sect that's going on there. The zealots, the ones that you see in the time of Jesus that were they were really Jewish nationalists. They wanted to overthrow Rome. They wanted to have the Messiah sit upon the throne and to rule. There was differences. At the social vocational level, you had the publicans who were basically the tax collectors. They were Jews who were collecting taxes from their fellow Jews for Rome. They were traitors in a lot of ways. You had the scribes who were, who were basically the secretaries. They were, they were writing down... Um, the scriptures, they were interpreting the scriptures at times. They held a lot of power within that. You had other Jewish sects, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. You had the Nazarenes that we find in the Old Testament, but also had a new name in the New Testament because Jesus from Nazareth. So the early Christians were known as Nazarenes. So you have all this diversity within one ethnic group. Then you throw in the Gentiles. Michael and I was talking about this, this earlier this week. He said he was taught the Gentiles is all the other people in the world. Look around this room. All the other people. There's a little bit of diversity in this room. It's just a drop in the bucket. in, the, in the, just in the New Testament, or just in the book of Acts, we find diversity. In, in chapter um, 8, with Philip, starting in verse 26, it says, An angel spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that, dr- that, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace. Queen of Ethiopians. This is a Gentile who's African, who's Ethiopian. He's a eunuch. He's a high official. He lives with the queen. He serves the queen. We go to verse 10, or not verse 10, chapter 10. It says there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Now we have a soldier, a Roman soldier, loyal to Caesar, loyal to to Rome. But it says that he feared God. He was a devout man and he feared God along with his household. Acts 16, then the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. This is when Paul and Silas are in jail. And they escorted him out and said, Sirs, what must I be do? What must I do to be saved? So you have an Ethiopian eunuch, you have a Roman soldier, you got a jailer who's part of the Roman kingdom. We don't know if he's a, he's a citizen or not. He's just a citizen. Paul goes to Athens and, and, he, and he's with all the thinkers. And he's talking to all the thinkers, and, and it says. In verse 34 of, of seven, chapter 17, it says, however, some men joined him and believed. So you had some of these thinkers that were also joining. So you had intellectuals. You had different ethnic backgrounds. You had different vocational backgrounds. These were who made up the early church, the Jews and all their different um, differences and, and backgrounds. And you had Gentiles and all their differences. And what was really cool about all this is is that in the New Testament, in in all this diversity, in all this, there were Jews and Gentiles. The the variety of, of political thoughts, religious thoughts, cultural thoughts. Gentiles who also had different political, religious, and cultural thoughts. There was one common thread that brought them together. And that was Christ. That no matter where they were at, if they were in Caesar's palace, There was the threat of Christ that brought them together with someone who was on the other side of the empire who was Jewish. Who wasn't even even a zealot. Who wasn't even a Pharisee. Christ is what brought them together. It didn't matter whether they were black or white. It didn't matter if they were Italian or or I guess they weren't English in the Roman Empire at this time. but, But it didn't matter what their background was. Christ was the common. It didn't matter if they were high class or low class. It didn't matter what their political affiliation. It didn't matter where their social economic background was. It didn't matter necessarily what their religious views were. We can see this as we go forward into the New Testament, the Paul's letters, as he's dealing with circumcision. He's dealing with food to idols. He's dealing with some of these things. As you have these cultural clashes are coming together, the religious differences coming together, the political differences coming together. But yet Christ is what they held to. And it was the thread that wove them together. And it was what allowed them to move forward as they went out and gave hope to the world. Because it was Christ is what had given them hope in the first place. And he said, as we walk together. And there's some great source documents outside the New Testament that, that gr- tell great stories of, of um, some of the upper class, maybe Roman officials, who, who are curious about Christ. And they begin to come to Christ And they're working with slaves. And they're sitting there doing Bible study together, reading the scriptures together, breaking bread together. And what weaves them together because they have nothing in common? It's Christ. It's the only thing. See, their strategy to me was different than the world's strategy. To me, the, the strategy of the early church centered on one thing. And it's probably more than one thing. But to me, the key was prayer. It was prayer. It wasn't a great building. It wasn't Paul being a great you know, preacher. Those things were great, but it was prayer. We've talked about this. You know, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If we back it up just a little bit. You know, as, as, starting in, in verse 12, as, as the Lord is responding to Solomon, as, as the dedication of the temple, he says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer. Solomon prayed this prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I close the sky so there's no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pedulance on my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal the land, heal their land. Prayer to me is such a key. And as simplistic as it seems, and as careful also, because because in no way do we want to marginalize anyone or make any conversation normal, it's how we move forward is really in prayer. Scripture points to that, and there's no exception, there's no excuse, there's really no way we can argue with it, there's no wiggle room in this. Philippians 4.16 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Colossians 1.9, And so from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 1 Timothy two 1 through 4 First of all, then, I urge you that prayers, or petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and for those in authority, so that they may lead a tranquil or tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. First Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And whether we like it or not, we have to pray. It doesn't matter what season we're in. It doesn't matter what financial situation we may, we may face. It's not our strength. We should turn to God and pray. What health report we get, we should turn to God and pray. Whatever's going on in our culture, whatever's going on in our neighborhood, whatever's going on, we should turn and pray. There's no exception here. You know, I agree with, with what Craig said last week. I believe revival is coming to our land and to our nation. And why I believe this is, is because of the interaction I had with a Chinese brother many years ago. Um, if you ever read the book Heavenly Man, not the Heavenly Man himself, but there's, there, there's a reference to, to a guy in the book, The Heavenly Man, and we called him Brother Z. Brother Z was a fun, fun-loving guy. I didn't realize he had a heart condition when I took him on Space Mountain at Disneyland. Um, but he was laughing the whole time. We had the honor of spending some time with him. It's about 10 million people. At least in 2001, he had about 10 million people in his movement. He had spent many years in labor camp and prison. And he said, he told me a story, because I asked him about the first time he went to prison. I said, well, you know, what was that like? And he said, you know, his wife was about six months pregnant, and he was in his home, and he basically sang one line from a hymn. In communism, it's all about getting a one-up on someone else. It's about turning, it's about being a snitch. If you can be a snitch, you're going to get rewarded. His neighbor turned him in. So he was taken to labor camp. Three years, but it got, it got extended to six years because there was a child in the room, which doubles the law. The child was in the womb. His son, I think it was his son or daughter. So anyway, six years in labor camp for singing one, one line from a hymn. I saw his son when he was five years old for the first time. And I said, man, you must be bitter. You must somehow just, just you know, that must be re- something you regret. He said, absolutely not. He said, that was my seminary. He said, for every one of us, that is our seminary. That's where we learn to get on our knees and pray. That's where we learn to share the gospel with others. But he really referenced it back to prayer. He said, the revival that you see in China now is because we all went to prison and we prayed. He said, if we hadn't have gone to prison, we never would have prayed because we would have done it in our own strength. We would have done it in our own ways. We were prideful because we were getting this truth and, and we felt like we had this truth that was better than, than anything that was, that was being offered. He said, prison humbled us, but also taught us to pray. And man, they can pray in China. We were on, we were on the back end of that. 20,000 people. Coming to Christ. This was in 1974, I think, is, is when this took place. We were there in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. 25 years later, they're seeing the fruit of prayer. Songs that were written were all about prayer. Let's pray, let's get on our knees and pray. And I believe that God is calling us to pray. In fact, I think there's been more prayer for the church and for this nation in the last few weeks than ever before maybe not ever before but in my lifetime that i can remember the last couple wednesday nights at prayer here we have spent the whole time praying for the church and for the nation we haven't prayed like that that i can remember on a wednesday night we might pray here and there a little bit we pray for needs we pray for other things but we've been on our knees praying and i believe how we move forward and what god is asking us to open our eyes to see is that we're being called to pray whether, whether we agree with certain things going on, whether we're facing something financial, whether we're facing something health-wise, whether we have a job or we don't have a job, we have, you know, whatever it may be, God is asking us to pray. And there is no wiggle room when you look at Scripture. You know Sometimes we, we, we think about prayer. Well, does it really work? Yes, it works. There's things we may not see in the invisible. We may not feel that it's working, but it does work. I want to read a couple quotes from different people that I think are powerful. This one from Hudson Taylor, I think I'd read um, before. It's a little bit harder to see, but it says, the power of prayer has never been tried to its full capacity. But every time I hear that, it just kind of smacks me in the face. The power of prayer has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see might, wonders, of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and might things which thou knowest not. Hudson Taylor, the power of prayer. Andrew Murray from the 1850s time frame says, We must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. Wesley, John Wesley, said, Prayer's where the action is. Spurgeon, he said, true prayer, true prayer is measured by weight, not by length. A simple groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. And he goes on to say, prayer can never be in excess. You know, we're called to pray. In this hour, in this time, we're called to pray. You know, it's, it's the prayer meetings sometimes where you find the least attendance. And that's, that's not to say that in a bad way or condemn. But its I think it sometimes shows how we value prayer. That's not to say people aren't praying, because I do believe believe people are praying. You know, one of the stories that is really, when I was preparing this and, and I read from, from Acts 16, and Acts 16 is one of my favorite chapters in, in, in the whole Bible, is, it's when you come to Paul and Silas sitting in prison. And there's a scripture there that, you know, Paul was He rebuked this this girl, he drove out the spirit in this girl, and and because of that, he was arrested. And he was was not treated right, he was seized. They dragged him, um, basically, and they threw him into prison for kind of creating this disturbance in the city. It says um, in 23, after they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw him in jail, ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded. receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. So they were beaten, they were dragged into jail. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. This is what I always remind myself of when I begin to complain about something. When I begin to complain about the world, when I begin to complain about the church, when I begin to complain about maybe my wife or my kids or whatever, this is what I remember. It's this right here. In the midst of hardship, what was Paul and Silas doing? Is they were praying and they were worshiping the Lord. Paul was a Roman citizen. He could have played that citizen card very quickly, but for some reason he didn't. We know a jailer got saved and his whole family got saved as a result of that. But he's sitting in prison, and I've tried to put myself in his shoes many times. What would I be doing in that? Oh, I'd be complaining. I'd be making a fuss. I, I would be making it known, get me out of these, these things that are on my ankles because I am a citizen. You beat me illegally. I would be making it known. But I find it so striking that they were sitting there praying and singing hymns to God. Now, Paul is a super, he's a super apostle. I, and I, I can't necessarily say I, I do that or will do that or want to do that in every situation. But it is a great reminder of prayer. Lord, what are you doing in these situations? Open our eyes to hear. Open our, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. But I believe the Scriptures speak clearly. We are to pray and we are to spend time in prayer. You know, what are you doing, God, as we look through what's going on through a political lens, through a cultural lens, through a religious lens, through a relationship lens? God, what are you doing? We don't know the answer to that question, Lord, for we're spending time in prayer, on our knees, praying. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts so we may see you. Strengthen us to pray according to your word, according to the ways that we need to. And help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to pray. That's what we are to do. This morning, what I'd like to do is take some time for us to pray. And so Michael and I, we're, we're going we're gonna to pray here. We're going to pray for the, um, the church. We're going to pray for the nation. And we're going to pray for the lost. What I want us to do here is I want us to stand up, and I want us to kind of just form a circle, and I just want us to, to gather hands together, and, and I just want us to pray, to pray in agreement, because I think it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing for us to begin to do it. I could say, let's go out and do it, but why not, let's just do it together this morning. So this is somehow come to the front and begin to circle up. Greg, is it on? Okay, Nathan, come on up, and, and maybe you guys can slide through one of these rows. Let's pray. I just want to I just want to encourage us always to start out just giving thanks and giving praise. So, Lord, we we just thank you. We praise you. Just as, just as we praise you this morning dear in worship, that you are, you are great and you are mighty, that, that you love us, that you care for us, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for, for the breath that's within our lungs. We thank you for brothers and sisters, as, as we're standing here this morning, who, who love each other, who love you um, above each and everything, Lord. So we honor you this morning. Lord, I lift up the church. I pray for the church, Father. I pray for the church um, throughout the world, churches that are in Cambodia, churches that are in China, churches are in Brazil. Throughout this world, Lord, we just lift up every gathering, every, every church. Where two or more are gathered, Lord, we just lift it up and may your spirit and your presence be there, Lord. We pray for the church in this nation. We pray for healing within the church, Lord. We pray, Lord, for, for those who feel betrayed, Lord, those who are, who are grieving and hurting based on, on things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, Lord. Lord, we know the church is strong. We know the church is your vehicle for advancing the gospel. And Lord, we stand against any any attack that the enemy brings, any weapon that's formed against the church to divide and, and tear it down and to be divisive, Lord. We pray blessing over the church. Lord, I pray a blessing over Piedmont International Church that you will bless this church, Lord. Thank you for the vision and the mission that you've called this church into. Lord, I pray also for each member of this church that you bless each member, Lord. In the place where you have them, bless them, Lord. Give them life that's that's beyond um, abundance, Lord. I pray, Lord, for just a blessing, our finances over health, over relationships, over their mind, over their hearts, Lord. Each and every one of us, may you bless us according to your word and we thank you for this church, Lord. Lord, let this church be a church of reconciliation. Let it be a light into the world. Lord, as, as people are living in fear, as people are, are, are exuberant and, and triumphant in, in other ways, Lord, I pray this church will be a church that bridges gaps, that brings people together, that allows conversations to take place, tough, difficult um, conversations to take place, Lord, but let there be grace and love and healing that comes forth from how you work through each and every one of us, Lord. So we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
1: Father, I just want to lift up our national leaders, Lord God, Father, and pray for them according to your word that tells us to pray for those in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, Lord God. So, Lord God, uh, I just start, Lord, with our current president and our current national leaders in Congress and in the Supreme Court. And, Lord God, we also want to um, just um, pray for those that are um, being installed, the uh, president elect and the those who are going to come into Congress and, Lord God, um, and into the Supreme Court, Lord, in the months ahead. Father, I just pray for our leaders, Father God, that they would have a heart, Lord, one, to turn to you, Lord God, for answers and for solutions. Father, I pray that they would humble themselves before you, Lord God. Whether they acknowledge you as Jesus Christ right now or not, I pray that they would humble themselves before you, Lord God. Father, I pray for um, servants' hearts, Lord God, that our leaders, God, would take upon themselves, not not uh, to serve themselves or, or just the power brokers, Lord God, but that they would look and, and look take a look at the people that have elected them and the people that they are to serve and that they would um, do things that would meet the needs of the people, Lord God, in their districts and in their communities, Lord God, that they are serving, Lord God. Father, I pray for protection. Lord God, I pray for health. I pray for sound minds, Lord God. I pray for godly wisdom, Lord God. I pray that you would give our leaders, Lord God, advisors and counselors who would give them good advice, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that our leaders, Lord God, would look out for the people and for our nation, Lord God. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless them to love the people, Lord God, I pray that you would bless them to have insight, Lord God, and wisdom for how to lead, Lord God. Father, I just uh, bless them to have a heart to seek you, Lord, those that are unsaved. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would woo them and minister to them, and you would draw them to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Father God, and Lord, just continue to work, Lord God. Lord, I pray the same prayer for the leaders of our states and of our cities and our counties and, and as well, Father God. And I just thank you for doing all this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we also pray that we will be the hope that goes out into the world as we as we let your light shine through us. Lord, I thank you, just, just for the opportunities you give us to love people. And Lord, I pray that, that we will love all people, regardless of, of what they look like, what they say, what they may believe. Lord, let, let our, our actions and our, our tone, our language be seasoned with grace, with love, with mercy, Lord. Let our light shine before all men and women in, in this place, Lord. Let people know how much you love them. Lord, thank you so much that you, you've instilled us as your ambassadors to go out into this world let us not take that lightly. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage us, you know, to continue to talk, continue to have conversations. We, we don't minimize that in any way. To educate ourselves in ways that we need to educate ourselves. To, to know that the person standing beside us or, or around us, you know, they they're they're different. I mean, it takes prayer for us. I mean, we're, we're from the same ethnic background in a lot of ways. We grew up 100 miles from each other. Um, we're, we're also two different genders, you know, and, and we've, we've known each other for a number of years. We still need prayer, you know. The Jews needed prayer. That's one ethnic group, you know, bring all this together. But in all the talking and all the educating and in, in all the stuff that we're, we're plugged into, we have to let prayer be over it all. And and that's my point is I'm not saying don't talk, don't don't have any. Please talk. Continue to converse. But also pray. Make sure that you're in prayer. Start your day in prayer. Throughout the day be in prayer. End your day in prayer. Because it's, it's, it's what's going to allow us as a church to move forward. It's going to allow the church itself to move forward and as a nation, too, for us to move forward. Because I truly believe, as I said, revival's coming, but it's going to come from the church. It's not going to come from outside the church. And it's going to start with prayer. And so that's what I love about, about this body, about this church, is, is you can look around and, and you can go just two or three down the line. And you've already hit two or three different ethnic groups and backgrounds There's differences, no doubt. We embrace those differences. We embrace where we all have come from. But we also, at the end of the day, we have to pray. And that's my encouragement. Come on Wednesday night if you can. Come and pray. If you can't come on Wednesday night, call someone up during the week and pray with them. You know, the enemy wants to isolate us sometimes. And, um, you know, the media, the social media, it's full of anything you want. Sometimes to disconnect just a little bit from, I think Ben and I were talking, and, and he he gave an analogy like some of you were just kind of walking down the road and, and letting yeah, things right. middle of the road and just kind of hitting them. And if things are, are stirring up so much in you, maybe disconnect a little bit and, and connect to the Lord and pray. And I'm not implying no one is. But we do need, need to pray because that's that's the key. And so I encourage you, find someone, meet with someone for coffee, pray. Find someone on campus. If you're working on campus, find someone in your job place. Find someone in your neighborhood and just pray. It doesn't have to be anything long. It be a couple minutes. Pick up the phone, FaceTime, Skype someone. Because um, I do believe what Chronicles says that if my people who are us, who are called by his, by his name, God's name, if we'll humble ourselves and pray, he will bring the healing, the forgiveness, all, all that will, will just fall into place. That's part of the Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. And so that's, that's my challenge for us. It's my challenge even for myself um, is, is I need to pray, we need to pray. And so we are dismissed. Amen. Find someone. Yes.
1: Real quick. Um, just wanted to tag what he's saying by adding that loving one another, the scripture says love one another deeply. It's hard to sometimes love people surfacey. It's especially hard to love one another deeply. And when you have the differences that are here, that's extra extra hard, okay? But it's easier to love people that you agree with and that look like you and that act like you. It's more difficult to put your discomfort aside in order to step across the aisle to someone that might not agree with you on something that's important to you. The thing, the scriptures that Stephen shared in Acts about the early church, what they had in common was their love and devotion to Christ, the kingdom mindset. And we have to have that same thing. We have to put the kingdom before everything else, okay? The kingdom first, and we have to be willing to be there for one another, to love one another, to pray for, to pray with one another, to stand with one another, although we might see some things differently from each other. So I just wanted to finish with that. All
0: right. Well, amen. Turn and hug someone this morning. <laughs> We're dismissed. Pick up your children, too, if you don't
1: mind.